Today's reading is from Hebrews 10, 19-25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Good morning. Props for already putting that scripture into practice by not neglecting meeting together. Uh, and it is good to meet together, isn't it? It's already, hopefully you've already had a sense this morning of what God's doing uh, in our midst and already you're feeling encouraged. So there is a, a thing that we do in our evening service. It's a little segment called Community Questions. And so we're going to give it a go in the morning service today. And what it is is effectively like a time of meet and greet, but where you don't have to come up with questions for yourselves, because that can be really awkward sometimes, where we give you the questions to talk to somebody else. So to participate in this, I'm going to need everybody to stand up, if you can. And this Community Questions is going to be brought to you by the theme Small Talk. So chances are you've already asked maybe a question of somebody around around you. So I'm going to give you a question, find somebody, ask that of each other, share it. I'll ask another question, go find another person. So kick you off nice and easy. It's not going to be awkward at all. What did you get up to on the weekend? Find somebody, ask them what they got up to on the weekend. All right. Sounds like you've all had much more interesting weekends than me. I know, I need a dong up. Yeah, that's right. All right, so, so I'm going to need you to find somebody else now. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. I was just saying you obviously all had much more fuller weekends than me. That was, that was a big conversation. That was great. Find somebody else now. So, so an easy one. Have you watched or read anything recently? Yeah, watched a good television show, watched a good movie, watched a good game of footy. All right, so we're going to keep moving, we're going to keep moving. <laughs> uh, so, so one of the things I've been watching, uh, I've certainly been watching this week, and I know this is a bit controversial, but I've started watching Christmas Carol videos, videos of Christmas Carol versions. So the next question, find somebody else. How do you feel about walking to the shops in early November and starting to see Christmas stuff everywhere? How do you feel about that and starting to hear Christmas carols on the radio? All right, all right. Final one, because I do want to leave some time for the sermon today. I would love you to talk to someone near you and say, what are your go-to small talk questions? If you do some small talk over morning tea, you're at a party somewhere, what are your go-to small talk questions? Do you do a how's the weather? Whatever it is, what are your go-to small talk questions? All right. If you can start wrapping those conversations up and finding your seat again, that would be great.
Now we know which is the really social side of the church, don't we? There is an art to small talk, isn't there? It's this ability to avoid those awkward social interactions that have just silence and not knowing what to ask by managing to keep the conversation going with small talk. Small talk is often about feeling comfortable in the presence of someone while the topics remain safe and surface and, well, small. You don't tackle the big issues. We're going to come back to this today and it will make sense as we go. But if you're just visiting with us today or if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we're currently in a series called One Anothering. And it comes from this Greek word that is all throughout our New Testament. In fact, 59 times the Greek word for one another is used. You can't escape it as you read the pages of the New Testament. And once you know it's there, you'll see it everywhere in your own personal reading of the Scriptures. And the picture these one another's paint is of this vibrant community, this way of interacting with each other that is deep and it's meaningful. There is an others-centeredness to the way that the New Testament calls us to do relationships and community. And hopefully you've already been getting a sense these past few weeks that the picture it paints is one that, quite frankly, I find incredibly attractive. It's the sort of things you read through and you think, man, that's that's the community I want to belong to. That's the kind of church that I would be proud to talk to my non-Christian friends about. And so in week one, Kathy kicked us off by looking at the collection of one another verses that speak to the way that we're to serve one another in love. A beautiful, others-centred, practical, caring way to express community and and solidarity and care and concern. In week two, uh, we had Des step up and look at those collection of verses that speak to the ways that we actually think about each other. You know, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but actually there's this humility as we actually esteem others. We're more considerate of others. And man, what are the beautiful implications of that for our community and our church here? Last week, Steve looked at that collection of of one another verses that speak to our unity, uh, that sense that we are to be a people of peace and peacemakers, and and that great verse that we should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, Uh, that recognition that we have this one Lord Jesus, that each of us are filled with the same common Holy Spirit, that we are being built into one building, the body of Christ, and so there is a unity and a peace and a peacemaking that should happen within this body. And today I want to look at the collection of verses uh, that call us to have a spiritual impact on each other. So here is another set of questions, and these are not to jump up and speak to one another. These are just rhetorical questions as we get into the message today. Who in your life, as you look back, has had a positive spiritual impact on you? Who's had a positive spiritual impact on you? Uh, What was it about them, what they said or did, maybe what you observed in them, maybe the relationship that you had with them that impacted you so? And where would you be in your faith and in your walk with Christ apart from those people and those interactions? Just, Just take 20 seconds just to orient yourself with those questions. You know, for me, I recognize that I am profoundly indebted to a small army of people that have spoken into my life over my Christian life, but actually over my whole life. Some of those people I've known really well, and they've been really close, and they've been committed to journeying with me and and speaking into me. Some of the people that that have impacted me positively in the faith, I've never met. I've listened to them online, or I observed them from across a room. 
And it's everything from increasing my passion and my love for the Lord Jesus, everything from actually helping me unpack and understand the scriptures and how it pertains to all of life and faith and ministry. Uh, it's been those who've actually encouraged and affirmed what they see in me, gifts and calling and, and journeyed with me in that. And people that just remind me to be who I'm called to be day by day. I can remember so many people and so many instances of it, and, and I'm sure you can too. And so it brings with us this, this sense of we understand why the scriptures direct us towards one another in this way. So there's a collection of verses that I think come under today's heading, all these one another's throughout the New Testament that I think speak to the ways that we're called to have a positive spiritual impact on each other and influence each other towards loving God and living for Him. But I think great ones are like Ephesians chapter 5, calling us to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and, and spiritual songs. Colossians 3, letting the message of Christ dwell among us richly as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Uh, a lot of verses encouraging us to encourage uh, one another and to build each other up. And the one that we heard in our Bible reading this morning as well from Hebrews chapter 10, that encouragement to spur one another on towards love and good deeds in the faith. And so I see this instruction from the New Testament to us, and I think the example of the early church, what they leave to us, is this beautiful community of people who are continuing to have a positive spiritual impact and influence on each other. The example of the early church and the instruction of the New Testament is not just designed that we would have a good community or that we would have a place where we belong. But there was this real sort of life-on-life, raw, gritty, real impact that was centred around the most important thing in their lives, their faith and their relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to use the words of Hebrews 10 to consider, that, that word, consider, how we may spur one another on in our faith and our walk. Now, it's part to be, part to be the everyday part of what it means to one another, each other in this place. And now that word consider is a really uh, interesting word. It's hard to get our heads around and translate into English. The writer of the letter of the Hebrews uses that in one other place in his letter, and that's Hebrews chapter 3. And he writes, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Now, that's the verse I grew up um, reading and memorizing. Oh, okay, I didn't memorize this particular verse, but I um, was familiar with this verse. The NIV, when they did their revision in 2011, just went, consider doesn't quite capture that word, does it? And so they, they revised it to this. So therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Consider Jesus, that is, look at him, think about him, focus on him, study him, let your mind be occupied with him. Jesus is the object of the verb consider. And it's the same word that has been used in Hebrews chapter 10, and in fact, it's the same grammatical structure in Hebrews chapter 10 that the writer uses in Hebrews chapter 3. But instead of the object being Jesus in chapter 3, the object is actually one another in chapter 10. The writer literally calls us to consider one another, to look at one another, to think about one another, to study one another in a non-creepy way. 
to let your mind be occupied with one another. Same disclaimer applies to that one. Uh, And the goal of this focus is to think about ways that we can spur each other on in our love and in our good deeds. And if that's all you hear today, that's all you need to hear. That the call of the scriptures when it comes to one anothering to impact is to consider each other and think about and act upon ways that will actually result in this positive spiritual impact in your brothers and sisters. What can I do? What can I say? How can I pray? How can I interact with them in a way that is actually going to increase their love and their affection for Jesus in ways that's actually going to spur them on to to live for him in in their families, in their workplaces, to to serve him with the gifts that God's given him? What can I do for this brother, for this sister that is going to encourage them to keep going? Because he who is faithful has begun a good work in them, and I want to be a part of the way that that continues to outwork in their lives. Cool. You've heard the message, but I'm going to keep going. That's okay? So keep hanging with me as well. So what I want to do in a really practical way today is just give us three ways that we can consider, three things that I think every believer carries within them that we have the ability to impact, to kind of throw fuel on the fire is going to be the first one in just a second. And I think when we actually start considering each other and recognising that these three things are already in those people, then it's like, okay, I know how to act on this. And so the first one, and I know this is really bad timing given that our state's been on fire this week, so apologies, but it's simply the idea of this, that each believer carries within them a flame of their love and their devotion to Jesus that burns stronger or weaker at times. And we know this, don't we? Uh, The moment that we come to faith in Jesus, there is a, a spark that is lit, there is a flame that burns, to use a metaphor, and it's about our affection for him, it's about our love and our devotion for him, it's about the way we actually want to live in and be with him forever. And I don't know what your experience um, of this kind of flame is, but that over time that can grow stronger and brighter or that can dim and weaken. There's stuff that can come against that and quench that over time. Sometimes we feel that it's burning so bright and so strong, it's like the embers are flying out of our lives and like touching on others and then lighting fires wherever it goes. And other times we're just doing our best to at least keep it going so it doesn't extinguish. And I think one of the great things of recognising that each and every one of us carries this is to recognise that we actually have the ability to impact that by, going to continue the metaphor, throwing fuel on that fire. And it's this lovely recognition that I don't necessarily know how your fire is going. Somebody that I'm close to, maybe a family member or a friend, somebody that I'm mentoring or discipleship, I've probably got a good understanding of how strong and brightly their flame, that passion for Jesus is burning in their lives. Maybe if you are someone that has a really good gift of intercession or discernment or hears really clearly from the Spirit, at times God will give you a sense for somebody of how they're tracking in this. But most of the times, I think it's fair to say that we know that it's there in the life of a believer and we're not entirely sure just how strongly or brightly it is burning at that time. And so in the considering, then our considering is not trying to evaluate, is it burning brightly or is it burning weekly at the moment. Our consideration is, what can I do? What can I say? How can I be such a person in their life that results in that being flamed up, throwing the fuel on the fire? Does that make sense? Yeah? I know we're speaking in metaphors, but I think think sometimes it's helpful to actually go, hey, everyone carries this. Our role is to throw fuel on it. Looking back over the course of my life, I recognize that I've always done the best in my Christian life when I've had a sense of being in it together with other believers. 
And that together we're just keeping each other passionate. You know, we're all flaming for God together. And, and there is this corporate sense of, yes, Jesus, we want more of you. We want to live for you fully in this life. And I, I don't know if there's a part of me that yearns for what I see in the Scriptures. And I think there's always a danger of reading the New Testament through a little bit of rose-colored glasses of 2,000 years of, of human history. Uh, but it does genuinely seem to me that the early church walked straight into this. They seen Jesus be resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit coming down. They've been sent on this mission for him in the world. And you just get this beautiful sense of the authenticity and the, this community orientation that they had. That the believers would gather together and it's almost like they're throwing fuel on each other's fires to burn brightly for Jesus. We read it every time Acts records what life in the early church was like. You know, in chapter 2 where they're meeting together, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they're having this fellowship, signs and wonders are being done, they're praising God, they're breaking bread in their homes, they're eating together. You get this sense there is this life-on-life proximity and interaction that is centred around Jesus and their life for him and their love for him and their mission and their witness in this world for him. And that together they're all continuing to be passionate, they're all continuing to be focused and they're being sent out into their, into their workplaces and their businesses and their, in, the, in the temple courts and all that kind of stuff fueled up with this love for and passion for Jesus. Partly that comes from the impact that they are collectively having on each other. We see this in Acts chapter 4, where Peter comes back, and they've seen this amazing miracle, and they've got persecuted straight away. And so what happens? All the believers gather together. Peter tells the story of what happened, and there's this kind of time where they start praying and praising God and asking the Holy Spirit would come in even more power and, and reach even more people with the good news of Jesus. At a point where it would have been really easy to experience that as a little bit of a bit deflated or maybe a little bit of a defeat or, oh my goodness, this is going to be harder than I think it is. I'm going to be dragged before the powers that be and told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. This in the context of church community, that kind of faith and that kind of passion to continue the mission uh, continues to stay white hot. And we read in, the, in verses afterwards, Acts 4, verse 32, that after this, all the believers were one in heart and one in mind. Uh, their togetherness and their interaction with each other continues to result in this really lovely, positive, spiritual impact where their passion for Jesus burns white hot and strong. You see it in Acts chapter 13, as, as they're worshipping together, as people are fasting together. I mean, they're not trying to drum up their passion and their love for God. Hopefully that's just an, an automatic response to what he has done. But, but it's in this context that the very first missionary endeavor is born and people are set apart and recognized and sent off to reach others with this good news of Jesus. There is something about the way I think they one anothered. They impacted and they influenced each other that kept those flames burning really strong for Jesus. And we are the recipients of their passion and their ministry and their mission and their witness, aren't we? So I want to encourage you to actually look around this room and recognize that each person here who knows and loves Jesus carries this flame that burns for him. You don't know how strong that's burning today or if that's being really hard and they're just trying to keep that thing alive at the moment. But we have this beautiful opportunity to be part of what it means to throw fuel on that fire. And I think one of the ways that we do that, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, is to just absolutely have gospel-saturated conversations with each other. Colossians 3, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. 
psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit together. Ephesians 5, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. There there is something about the very conversation that we have with each other that can be a part of adding fuel to the fire that burns for their love and their devotion for Jesus. And yet how often do we default to the small talk, to the safe, to the surface, and not go to the deep and the real place? Not even recognize that in that interaction, however small, however minute, there is this wonderful possibility for God to be at work through us to bless and to encourage their own personal walk with Jesus. So this is the first image I want to leave you with today. Everyone is carrying this within them. See yourself as someone who can actually impact that and have effect on it. The second one is the acknowledgement that every believer carries within them a gift. And that is the way that God has uniquely wired them to have kingdom impact and influence. And I'm thinking certainly of spiritual gifts there, but I'm thinking so much broader than that as well. And so I think part of our role when it comes to encouraging each other and building each other up and spurring each other on is to affirm what we see or sense in someone else, to actually build them up in that and to help draw that out of them. I don't know about you, but um, there's so many times where I shrink back from stepping into what I actually believe God has called me to do. This isn't supposed to be confessional time, but just do you resonate with that? Anytime you bring comparison into the equation, I was, I was sitting there last night and I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was trying to think of anything at all that I am good at or feel called at or anyone said I'm gifted at that I couldn't immediately think of someone who does it better. I could think of someone who did it better in five seconds, every single one. And so the temptation is, well, someone does that better, therefore I shouldn't do it. So comparison kills this, insecurity kills this, anxiety kills this, past hurts kills this, and lies of the enemy kills this. And so the the need for us to actually affirm what we see in each other, help to build that up and help to draw us out so that we step into our gifting and our influence in our community and and beyond, I think is really a, a beautiful ministry that we can have to one another. I actually think it's a really important ministry that we have to one another. Within the context of youth ministry, there's a phrase that we use when we, we're always talking to different groups of people, and it's the I see in you conversation. Just recognizing the importance of actually an older person coming alongside a younger person and saying, you know, I see in you this, this gift, this influence, this, this is your character that I want to affirm. And it just starts to affirm and build up and draw out what is already there so that they can walk into the fullness of the impact and the influence that God would have for them. And so I just wanted to be really clear this morning and just say absolutely every single person in this room, you are incredibly beloved by God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made that's just scripture, Psalm 139, and that your very life you are called to be an image bearer. You bear the image of your maker. This is just what is true. To those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus, I just want to remind you that God has relentlessly pursued you with his son Jesus and has been pleased to redeem and restore you to sonship and daughtership in the kingdom of God that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So you're now filled with his passion and his purpose and his power. His fingerprints are on you to make a unique and invaluable contribution wherever you go. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? This is really important. I think it's really important because it's so often we shrink back from actually stepping into that place of 
using our gifts and to use our influence to see how it is that God has uniquely wired us in a place. And this is what I see Paul do so beautifully uh, with Timothy. This is 1 Timothy um, chapter 3. You maybe know this, chapter 4, sorry. And so he knows that Timothy's temptation is to be super aware of his age and what it means to minister to those who are actually older than him in a culture where you respected your elders and they were always right because of the age difference. And so he writes to Timothy and in chapter 4 he reminds him to not neglect his gift which was given through prophecies. Like So Timothy, do not shy back from stepping into the fullness of who God has created you to be and is calling you to be. And so he reminds him. So, so do what you're supposed to do. Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture and to preaching and to teaching. And if you do this, you're going to save both yourselves and your hearers. So do not let anyone look down on you because you're young. This is an I see a new conversation. There is something on your life, Timothy, that I want to affirm. There's something within you that I want to build up. There is an impact that you're going to have that I want you to walk into. I want to draw that out of you. And I think this is a wonderful part of our ministry to one another, that in our interactions, in the way that we're praying with each other, in the questions that we're asking each other, in the things that we're speaking over each other or maybe writing down to each other, if that's how you do it, that we're actually affirming, building up and drawing out the gifts and just the great stuff that we want to affirm in each other. Because each of us have this within us. I wanted to, am I allowed to pick on a couple of groups of people? Cool. I decided probably not to do individuals because that would be too embarrassing. But I, I do this with my supper crew at night. And I just love the way they serve. So morning tea uh, crew, you can wrap yourselves up in this encouragement as well. But I'll often come into the kitchen on a Sunday night uh, to those who have put on supper. And I'll actually say, would you look around at what's happening in this room right now? People have stayed back longer than they would if you hadn't stepped into this. People are having conversations that are real. They're, they're following through. They're, they're starting to do life on life stuff. There is someone here who is visiting and they're here half an hour later because you have stepped into this place of facilitating a time for genuine community to happen. It's as simple as that. It's just affirming and building up and drawing out the good that you see some of the people do. I love it if I could speak to the welcomers in the life of our church, and I'm not actually talking about the people that are on a rostered position, but those who go out of their way to welcome somebody else and, and connect with somebody else, to sit with somebody else who seems to be on their own or, or not know what they're doing here, so they're probably visiting. I love the way that you use your gifts of hospitality and genuine care and connection to people and the testimonies that we continue to hear as a pastoral team. I came here and I had a conversation to this person and this person. This person sat next to me and I felt so welcomed and I felt so loved and this place felt like family straight away and so I've made this my spiritual home. So you might think that's nothing in the moment for you, but I just want to affirm that you're using your God-given gifts and personality and stepping into opportunities to use those gifts in a way that bless and impact and build up the kingdom of God. And there are testimonies of people who have come to church for the very first time not knowing Jesus and have hung around because of interactions like that. So please never underestimate the power of stepping into those places. A final group I'd love to just heap some encouragement on are the intercessors and the discerners in the life of our church. Uh, you don't serve as part of a program very often, often not on a roster. So much of it is unseen. Many of our church wouldn't, wouldn't know that that happens. And yet we know that there's this small army who are just engaged in this sacred and important work of interceding over the life of our church and discerning the voice of God and the call of God over every situation and program. And I just want to say, I have no idea of the kingdom impact that your prayers are having other than to say, 
that without that, we're just clanging gongs, that anything significant that happens in this place, anything significant that happens in this place, God is at work in and he responds to intercession and to prayer. So, so thank you. I just want to affirm those gifts. I want to affirm your role in the body. I want to build you up in that and, and draw that out, help you to just understand and recognize that this is something to fully step into if that's how God has uniquely wired you. In that little instance, I'd love us if we could do that to each other individually. Or if we actually walk over, and I won't pick on anybody, but you can start saying, I'm going to look up here, Jane, Bob, Michael, and just actually go, you know, I think it's really beautiful the way that you do this, or, or I see in you this, or one of the ways that I experience you is this, and I just wanted to say what a beautiful blessing that is. Would you continue to be that for others? The final one is this, that every believer is placed by God in a relationship, places, and situations to be agents of his blessings. So uh, I didn't quite use, well, you know, you know what that symbol is. It's that little pin on a map, and we get it, isn't it? So, so in the same way that everyone carries a flame that burns bright for Jesus, in the same way that everyone carries a, a gift, uh, this kind of God-given, hardwired you to impact and influence in, in particular ways, every one of us are placed by God into specific locations and situations and relationships to be his agent of blessing. And I think our role when it comes to one anothering then is to actually help bring focus to that. I can't remember how often I've seen people be challenged or, or encouraged when somebody has simply asked them, oh, so how do your work colleagues respond to the fact that you're a Christian? It's just a reminder that, well, hang on a minute, in that place, I am, maybe I'm a businessman, maybe I'm a lawyer, maybe I'm a small business operator, maybe I'm a teacher, but I'm also God's agent of blessing and his minister of reconciliation in that place. So how am I living that out? So I think there's that lovely one another ministry we can have where we simply help deepen each other's conviction to live for Jesus in those places uh, and, and I think to give courage. We've talked plenty of times here in the life of our church over the last couple of years about how hard it sometimes can be in our society or in our workplaces to be really open and upfront at living for Jesus and yet this is the call of God on each of our lives and I think this is where uh, we're going to come back to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. I, I see that being where that instruction lands. Uh, having just talked about the beautiful, wonderful truth that we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, he calls us to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. It's pretty easy to hold to that in the context of this, in church, being surrounded by believers. Uh, I think he's starting to think, as you go about your everyday lives, Hold unswervingly to the hope you profess. So let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds in those places, recognizing that God has placed us there to be his person of influence, his agent of blessing. And I think when we understand that for ourselves, what a rich and wonderful way of living for Jesus and who can imagine the kind of things that he will do in us and through us in those places as we start to see ourselves that way. Which is why it's really important to do this one-anothering. Because it's easy just to go, well, hang on, I'm not packing my bags and I'm going to work and I'm working. Right? So we actually need to encourage that in each other to bring clarity and focus, to deepen conviction and to give courage. And sometimes that's as simple as that follow-up question. Hey, I heard you had that faith conversation with that work colleague a couple of weeks ago. How did you go? Did you get a chance to follow it up? I'll be praying for you. It can be as simple as this. I want to belong to this kind of community, the kind of community where every interaction and conversation pushes me towards loving God more, 
serving him more faithfully and seeing myself as his agent wherever I go. And I think part of that is actually just being considerate to think of others, to understand what each person carries within them and look for ways that we can spur them on in those ways, to build up that passion for Jesus, to affirm and to draw out those gifts of the Spirit within them and to champion them in their missional sent places as well. So we're going to finish our service there. We're not going to finish with the end of a song because I'd love it if you spilled out into this already. Now, we've already got all the small talk out of the way, so you know how each other's weekends were and what you think about Christmas, okay? So we can jump straight into the deeper, more meaningful stuff. But I would genuinely love it if, instead of rushing to morning tea, that's there, if this is too confronting for you, that you actually maybe thought, you know what, there's something I've seen in someone else that I've never actually mentioned, and and cross the room and just say, thank you for being this person in this place. Maybe it's you just want to get alongside somebody and say, I love Jesus, you love Jesus, let's praise him together and pray and allow that to fuel that fire of passion and devotion for him. Uh, Maybe you just want to ask somebody, hey, where's your sent place this week, Or, or who's your closest not yet Christian friend or family member, can we pray for them together now? I think that'd be really cool. So I'm going to pray for us, and I invite invite you to continue being church and one anothering other in ways that positively, spiritually impact one another. Yeah, Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for the gift of this, the gift of family, the gift of community, the gift of the church. That Jesus, we haven't been saved to then go and work it all out by ourselves and, and somehow on our own, just, just you and me, just kind of work out what it means to live for you for the rest of my days until you call me home or to your return. But you have placed me in a family. You've placed me in a community. You've placed me in a body in which you, Jesus, are the head over and this building is being built together by the Spirit ah, that's at work in each of us. So Father, I want to pray just for the free flow of just Spirit-led conversation in this place that we would be thinking of others, that we would be considerate of others, that we would recognize that each of us uh, have our own flame, our own gifts, our own places where we're trying to, to serve you and be your person. And God, that we would recognize each of us, potential we have to impact and to influence and to be a part of what you are at work doing in their lives and through their lives. And God, we just want to thank you for this. Uh, for this time that we're going to just step into now, which is this unstructured, unstructured community time. God, I just pray even in this time, uh, God, that faith might be stirred up, that passion and devotion for you, Jesus, might be rekindled. But some people who are feeling like they have nothing to contribute might feel suddenly affirmed and recognize that actually through them, with you, God, um, you are desiring to do a beautiful thing. And some of those places that maybe we had even thought that you were present, we recognize that we are part of the answers to our prayers for those places. God, we want to be a community that spurs each other on to love and good deeds. Would you help us and would you teach us how to do that? And God, would you sustain that So that's not just a flash-in-the-pan moment, but this becomes part of the consistent and normal daily life of what it means to be your church here at Parramatta Baptist. And we ask this for our blessing because we know that we are truly blessed when we step into this and we pray it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.